Thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. I'm glad to see everyone. Been praying for you guys really early this morning. Um, um, today I'm going to talk about, I'm going to continue talking about prayer. And I'm going to ask a question if you're taking notes. And I'm, I'll encourage you to. The question is this, does prayer really work? Okay, we got to deal with this because so many people find themselves disconnected from God disconnected from the church because there is an assumption and a belief that prayer doesn't really work. And so we're going to talk about this today. We know that prayer is one of the most misunderstood disciplines in the Christian experience. And it is meant, but I should say, it's meant to be one of the most exciting and life-giving experiences that you will ever have. It's an opportunity for us to connect with our Father. And it has become a challenge for many people. Just want to talk just really, really briefly about the genesis of a prayer life. A um, couple of principles. Principle number one, every prayer life starts with the sacrifice of someone. I'm going to say that again. Every prayer life, it starts with the sacrifice of someone. And for me, I'm going to just talk really briefly, tell you a story of a woman by the name of Momzo, Helen Phillip. She's on the, there she is, looking as beautiful as ever. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is my mother. Um, she's still with us, praying heaven down in New Jersey. And she pray for you all every week. I remember, I remember my mom at a very young age, as a little boy, I would get up and I would hear her in the back room, and she would be praying. And she would be praying, and it wasn't just praying, but she would be praying and literally sobbing as the Bible would, would be open on the bed and different books would be open, and she would be praying and interceding for her family, for her children, for the community back then. And I, I would remember that she would get calls from people all over the country saying that they were in a crisis and they needed to get in touch with someone that could get a prayer through. Now, I know we don't know that kind of language today because we've become so contemporary as, as a church, but there are some people that still know how to get a prayer through. And for the younger folk that may not understand that, it means that these people, they have developed a life of prayer that when they pray, they have access and that God responds to their prayer. And... Um, so principle number two, every prayer life is shaped by the inspiration of someone. Remember the question we're going to answer today, does prayer really work, right? 
Just a quick note about my journey, my journey into prayer. I remember I had a, we had a friend, Sister Michelle and I had a friend, and he invited me to his home. And he said, um, I want you to come over to my home because I, want, because I have something to tell you, but I want to pray so that I can show you. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Um, he said, I want you to come over to my home because I have something to tell you. But we're going to pray first so that I can show you. And I remember this young man started praying. He's older than me. He's a mentor of mine. He started praying, and I had never experienced the type of intimacy and intensity in prayer in all my life. He started praying, and he literally moved around. He, he got up on the coffee table and was praying. I saw him pray with, te with tears and sweat. He got up on the, on the actual table in, in, in that space and started praying. And I remember when I left that room, and left his home, as I was driving home, I said to the Lord, Father, I want to know you like that. Because there is something about the way that he knows you that I have no idea. It's foreign territory to me. And I remember as the Lord would begin to wake me up early and would begin to bring me into seasons of intercession and prayer. See, some Christians have the conclusion that, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously, that prayer is not important for everyday life. They've become comfortable in the inconsistency of their prayer life. They start looking to themselves or they look to other people or different resources and they use prayer as that last ditch effort. After everything else failed, let me try some prayer. And they are befuddled and frustrated when it doesn't go the way that they want it to. I believe that the lack of prayer is connected to a failure of us understanding prayer. There was a time in my life, as I said earlier, that I struggled with prayer. I didn't like the idea of praying because when I saw my mom pray, I was intimidated. I felt as though, well, if that's what's required, I'm not going to get there. And so I would stay away as much as I can. But I want you to know today, church, that it's not about how another person prays, but it's how you know your father to whom you pray. Some of y'all caught that right there. Because we struggle because we feel as though we don't, we don't pray like other people. So, um, you know... When we, when we pray and we don't get our prayers answered, it creates some things inside of us, don't it? can create some sorrows, despair, bitterness, rebellion. Some people have decided to stiff-arm God because they prayed a prayer that in their minds God didn't answer. And they don't understand his reasoning for his decision. And so we push God away. When we experience unanswered prayers, it can undermine the very foundation of our faith, church, and leads us to negative results. We, start, we can get to a place where we start feeling abandoned by God. We start imagining that he doesn't really care about our problems. 
We can start coming to pre, um, preconceived or premature conclusions about ourselves or about our prayers. We can start doubting whether or not we are really called to be intercessors. We start feeling as though this idea of being an intercessor or someone that has a, a prayer life is, is only for those super elite Christians. <laughs> you know. According to the Bible, and we're going to get to some scriptures, it's important for us to understand who we address when we pray. <laughs> uh, let's just get to it. Uh, John, if you have your Bible, um, turn to John chapter 16. Scripture is up on the screen also, so you can just follow along with us. I'm going to read from um, the New Living Translation. Just say to yourself, prayer really works. And, and if you're struggling with believing that, just, just say it again. Just say it to your soul. Say, prayer really works. No, no, if you're really, really struggling with believing that, I really want you to say to your soul, prayer really works. Okay. So everybody heard how that went, right? This is how, this is how y'all sound. Prayer. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say this. It's important for us to know that God will not defy our belief. All of us are in here because there is something that we believe. When it comes to prayer, it's about what you really believe. If you prayed a prayer and God did not answer it the way you wanted to, it doesn't mean that God is not still good it doesn't mean that God does not still love you, and it doesn't mean that you're not still his child. What do you believe about prayer? I really want to bring this real home to everybody. And if your mind is drifting, I want you to just center it, because this is det detrimental for your spiritual survival. Next week, we're going to talk about the cause and the effects of prayerlessness. The spirit that operates in the believer that creates prayerlessness. And how do we overcome it in our lives? John says, Jesus is talking, he says, at, at that time, at what time? At the time when I am transcended back to heaven and I'm no longer with you in a physical sense. He says, at that time, you won't ask me for anything. We're answering the question, who do we pray to? We pray to Jesus, we pray to the Holy Spirit, do we pray to, to um, Mother Earth, Father Earth, Cosmic Universe, who do we pray to? He says, I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly. Everybody say directly. Okay, okay. And he will grant you your request because you use my name. As we get through the Wednesday studies, we're going to get into, in, in part of the prerequisites of prayer, the name of Jesus. And the fact that it's not a magical 
incarnate, um, incantation that we do at the end of our prayers. There's a reason why we say in the name of Jesus. We'll get to that on Wednesdays. He says, you haven't done this before. Why? Because I've always been with you. Ask using in my name. Oh my, I so want to get into it. But, um, and you will receive and you will have abund abundant joy. So who do we pray to? Oh, okay, okay, class. Who do we pray to? We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. See, this is important because as, you, as we float around in life and we hear different teachings and we, we hear different conversations, it's important for us to have a proper understanding of the scriptures. Amen? Amen. Okay, let me continue. Um, it is an awesome thing to receive answers to your prayers. If you can just think for a second the last time you prayed and God answered it. See, when your prayers get answered, what happens, it, it, it spurs faith on the inside of you. It's like, well, if he did it before, he can do it again. And so as you pray and God answers your prayer, you further want to pray. What happens is you start, your faith starts growing on the inside of you and you start believing God for more, for bigger. Because you understand that there is no limit with God. The only limitation is with your faith to believe and to pray according to his will. We'll get to that later. So throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we have examples of prayer and not just prayer that's being offered, but prayers that's being answered. Amen? Because here's the thing. If we're going to be in this Christian faith and we have all these different religions of people that are praying, some pray three times a day, some pray five times a day, and we have all this praying going on, whose prayers are really being answered? See, it makes no difference if you can have a biblical conversation with a Muslim about your God and you can't testify to the fact that your God is alive and the fact that God answers your prayers. Because it just becomes an intellectual discourse about religious situations and theology. So let's just talk real quick about prayers, prayers in the Bible. Um, I, have a, I have a few that I want to just throw um, out to you, not throw out, but um, to bring your attention to. First is Hezekiah. Hezekiah, Hezekiah. So Hezekiah prayed. And, and, you know, we don't have time to unpack all this, but in 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, uh, what we see is Hezekiah now is sick. And the Bible says that Hezekiah, he's the king of Judah, and, and Hezekiah is getting worse, and God sends the prophet Isaiah to tell him that he's about to die. <laughs> you know, if you understand the, the life of Hezekiah, he's, he's lived a, a, a righteous life, he's doing what God wants him to do, but he's sick. And now God sends his prophet to tell him that he's about to die. How do we respond when we call ourselves serving God, and we get some negative news. How do we respond? Do we start getting into a pity party? Do we start feeling as though nobody really understands what I have to go through? Do we start complaining? I want you to know... <laughs> I want you to know that Hezekiah did none of those things. He didn't, he didn't waste any time worrying. Uh, he didn't start thinking about resigning his post as king. He didn't start getting his house in order. The Bible says that Hezekiah turned his face 
to the wall and he prayed. And what he did was he reminded God that from a boy that he served God earnestly. See, Hezekiah could draw from something uh, of his own experience. And one of the challenges with our prayer lives and our prayer, prayers not being answered is that we don't have that, that, that consistency, that faithfulness testimony that says, God, I've been walking with you consistently. And when we walk with God sporadically, what it creates is doubt and confusion when we approach him. Okay, getting ahead of myself. So, so, you know, Hezekiah heard, Hezekiah prayed, and then it's recorded in Isaiah 53 that God answered Hezekiah's prayer. And God said, okay, bro, I'm paraphrasing, okay, <laughs> I'm going to add 15 years to your life, see. <laughs> Let me go to another person, um, Hannah. I'm going to use Hannah as a good example. Hannah prayed, and you can find this in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20. Hmm. Hannah was in a real interesting situation because she was in a polygamous marriage. And, and, and the thing about being in a polygamous marriage is that it's important to produce seed, produce children. And Hannah was childless. And the story goes that Hannah was not only childless, but she was also favored by the husband. And so the other wives, and particularly this one wife, you ever had this one person that they just try to get you? And, and, and they just, they can't wait to, to see something go negative. And they're the first ones on the phone or on the text or whatever. There's, there's the one person. And, and so for Hannah, it was this person um, by the name of Penina. And the Bible kind of records that Penina would always mock her, would always call out the fact that she was barren and she was childless. But as we, we look at Hannah, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 7, this went on year after year. What? This, 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 um, this mockery, this, this uh, complaining and, and, um, from Penina towards her. This was going on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival, Penina, provoked her till she wept and would not eat. So this was actually an impacting her to where she was weeping and she wasn't eating, but she didn't stop going to the house. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Because a lot of times when we're going through stuff, the, one of the first things we do is we start backing up from the house of the Lord. See, Hannah kept coming to the house of the Lord, even though she was dealing with persecution. And then, um, you know, there was a lot of tears because of her inability to bear a child. And in verse 20, verse 20 of 1 Samuel 1, Hannah got the answer to her prayers. And God sent her a young man by the name of Samuel. And if you study that out, you understand that Samuel then became a prophet to Israel. Amen? Prayer answer. The next one I want us to just show us real quick is the church in the book of Acts. The church praying. Acts chapter 12 verses 1 through 17. This is just a reference. The account goes that King Herod, he had arrested Peter and, you know, he put him in prison 
and he found out that when he actually killed James, that the Jews were very excited about this. And so he thought he would just do it again. He got Peter now in prison, and he's planning his plot against Peter. But something different happened. Can, can somebody just say it with me? Just, just say something different happened. This time, the church offered continuous prayer for Peter. That's verse 5. And then in verses 6 through 17, we see God dispatching angels. While Peter is in prison, the angels came and opened up the prison doors, and Peter was able to walk out of the prison door. Now, here's the thing, church. We can read these things, and they can sound like really good biblical stories. These are things we can tell our children. But here's the thing. It's about what you believe. At the end of the day, your prayer life is about what you believe, about what God's word says about him and about you. It's about what you believe. I want you to know that when prayers are not answered, and we're going to get, the, get to this now, when prayers are not answered, there could be a plethora of reasons. Number one, it could be just God just saying the timing is not right. Or it could be God just saying, no, this is not for you. Right? But there could be some other hindrances. Let's use that word. Hindrances to our prayer life. They, they could be what I'm calling blessing blockers. And it's important that we understand and identify them because if these things are in our life, they are literally guaranteed to stop our prayers. Hmm. First one is doubt. We're going to start with doubt. Start with doubt. James chapter 1 verse uh, verses 5 through 7. We're going to read from the New King James, and then we're going to read it from the Amplified real quick. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. It's amazing how we go to other, so many other sources outside of God first, right? He says, who give liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith. So there's a way that we ask. We ask in faith and not with, I'm sorry, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or woman suppose that he or she will receive anything from God. Let me read from the Amplified. If anyone lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or a circumstance... He is to ask our own benevolent God who seeks, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame. And it will be given him, but he must ask for wisdom and faith without doubting God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. This is very, very definitive. This is saying when we come to God in prayer, there is no room for doubt. 
But pastor, you know, sometimes, um, you know, we have things that we, we're trying to wrestle through. And um, I don't want you to argue with me. I, <laughs> I, I, I want you to uh, look at what the word is telling us. It, it says when we come to him that we must ask without doubt. Because when we have doubt in our spirit, we are now a walking contradiction. Because I'm saying one thing, but in my spirit, I'm believing something else. He says that we're tossed to and fro. Okay, we got to continue. Doubt can and will definitely rob us of the confidence, the faith, to expect from God what he intends for us. It literally robs us of the confidence. It's like when we're operating in, in doubt, what we're actually operating is kind of hope. You know what kind of hope is? <laughs> well, you know, God. Uh, uh, and, and so when we're operating like that, what tends to happen is, um, this is what we say, I don't want to get my hopes up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray about it, but, but I don't want to get my hopes. And the question is, why don't you want to get your hopes up if your hopes is supposed to be in God? If your confidence is supposed to be in God, why don't you want to get it up? If it's not up, then where is the hope? Is the hope down? I just want you to track with me. I want you to think with me. Because it's the enemy's job to have the, the, the Christian, the saint, to profess Christianity, but not to have any personal, intimate walk with their Heavenly Father. Thereby, we become a voice that says a whole lot of things, but a life that doesn't produce a whole lot of things. The thing about prayer that I want us to understand is prayer literally unlocks God in our life to do the thing that he has planned for us. And so the enemy's task is to make you feel sleepy, to make you feel condemned, and to keep you from praying as long as you will let him. Because all you are is a dead person walking. You have no vitality. Because here's the thing. We are to be emulating what our Savior Jesus Christ did on the earth and what he, is he doing now in heaven. What is Jesus doing in heaven right now? The Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father, sleeping and playing Nintendo. He's on, he's on Netflix and on, on Hulu and trying to figure out how many, you know, stories he can post on Instagram. No. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he is doing something. He is interceding. This is a specific type of praying for you. Think about that. Jesus is praying for you, and sometimes we don't have enough, I was going to say gumption, but we don't have enough wherewithal in ourselves to pray for ourselves, much less to pray for other people. Okay, okay, that was kind of off the notes. Um, now, this is not to say that when we pray, it's going to manifest immediately the way that we want it to, right? Um, because one of the prerequisites of praying is we must learn to pray according to the will of the Father. But here's the challenge. We struggle 
as believers to discern what the will of the Father is. And so if I don't know what the will of the Father is, then I keep wanting the Father to do my will. And so we reverse the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. So instead of saying, you know, um, your will be done, what we're really saying is, God, my will be done. Align your plan to what, what I want so that I can feel comfortable and confident that it's going to come about the way I want it. Jesus, help us right here. Um, See, when we pray according to God's will, we pray faithfully, knowing that our prayers are subjected to God's timing. The children of Israel is in, is, is, is in slavery for four years. No, y'all know it's not four years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, four years is a long time, but you talk about 400 years. Don't, don't, don't think that nobody was praying. Nobody was crying out to Yahweh back then. And sometimes um, we pray a prayer, and because God does move just when and how we want him to move, we stop praying. And then we start looking at other options. Hold on, let me, let me get some. And we start trying to find alternatives because God didn't move in the timing that we expect him to. The mark of the mature believer is to understand that it's not according to my timing. Because if God is prolonging something, he's expecting my character to develop during the process. Jesus. Okay, okay. See, Jesus, Jesus is trying to help his disciples. And in Luke chapter 18, which, which was kind of coincidental because it came up in our family devotions this morning. Jesus wants to help his disciples understand this importance about prayer. And he says this, men are to always pray and not give up. The moment you give up is the moment you stop praying. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that I keep praying to God for the same thing. Oh, we won't get into that today. But for many Christians, the reason why they don't pray is because they are filled with contradiction, indifference, anxiety, doubt, and fear. That's what's going on inside of us, right? Also, also, we know as Christians that we should pray. And what happens is that because we're not spending any time with the Father, the enemy then brings us into the prison of guilt and fear and con condemnation. So what am I saying? I'm saying that we know by virtue of our faith that we should pray. But because we don't pray, what happens is we open up a door that the enemy walks through, which is called guilt and condemnation. And so I am beating myself up because I know I should pray, but I don't pray and I don't deal with the reason why I'm not praying. And then the enemy comes and he piles on. And he said, you see, you're not praying. Don't think if you try to pray now, God's going to hear you. And so we have this, this double um, adversary thing that's happening against us. And what it does, it creates more condemnation in our lives. Um, second, second hindrance, unforgiveness. We're talking about what blocks our prayer? We're talking about the fact that prayer really works. We're answering that question, does prayer really works? But we identify some blockers, some hindrances as to why our prayers are not being answered. 
unforgiveness. Mark 11, 26 to 25 through 26, it says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. Isn't that interesting? I mean, he didn't leave it subjective at all. Whenever, wherever you stand praying. Now, does it mean that I always have to stand when I'm praying? Obviously not. You know, um, but wherever you posture yourself, forgive. He says, start with forgiveness. If you have anything against another one, so that the Father who is in heaven will also forgive you for your offenses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive our offensive. Now, we could, we could just shut it down right there. We could drop the mic right there. Because church folk are notorious for having offenses against one another and still want to come into the church house and lift their hands and sing and smile and say, bless you and God praise you. And, and, and we act so super spiritual when our heart is filled with evil and envy and, 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 and offense. And we do this Sunday in and Sunday out. We will come into the church house Look at people, talk to people, and then leave and then get into our cars and literally chew them up with gossip. And we feel as though that we have done a good thing when we were in the church house. I want you to know that if there is unforgiveness in our hearts, that is a key thing that will prevent God from hearing us. Wherever you are and you're approaching the throne of grace... It's called throne of grace for a reason. Forgive. Mm. You know, <laughs> things like unforgiveness, bitterness, holding grudges, envy, offenses are a part of the blessing blockers. They hinder when Jesus is teaching us how to pray in verse 12, Jesus says this, and forgive us our trespasses. Anybody know that, 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 that little verse that we should all memorize, the Lord's Prayer, which everybody has always heard me say, it's really the believer's prayer. And forgive us of our trespasses. Another word is forgive us of our debts. Now, it's not talking about debts for Target and Citibank and all that. It's talking about our spiritual debts. These debts, you can't really pay, it, pay them off with our fiat currency, with, with our dollar. The only thing that pays off these debts is the blood of Jesus. Um, forgive us our debts. So this is a part of the Lord's Prayer. So what's the principle in this part of the Lord's Prayer? If we do not forgive, we shall not be forgiven. And so here's really the, 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 here's really the, the, the principle. Unforgiveness is a non-starter to answered prayers. You know, sometimes we can be sitting in a context like this and we can feel as though, well, you know, God, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't think I have anything against anybody. And then you get a text from a person or you get um, a call from a person that did something that you thought you were over. But just the, 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 the bare fact of seeing the number or seeing the face or seeing the post, something starts happening inside of us. That's an indicator that I'm not really healed. I'm really not delivered 
from that whole situation. See? And so that's why when we pray, we ask the Lord to search us. Because a lot of times we would take for granted that we have moved on, but we really haven't moved on. And unforgiveness is still in the crevices of our lives, hidden somewhere, and it's becoming a hindrance in how I'm praying. I got to move on. Let me get, this, get to this last one. Well, we have so many more, but anyways. Uh, hindrance number two, unconfessed sin. Unconfessed, that's number three, unconfessed sin. Psalm 63, verses 18 and 19, it says, David says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. What is he saying? If I had unconfessed sin in my life that I knew of, God would not be inclined to hear me. But because I confess the sin, and this is the thing, that we get caught up with trying to analyze what sin really is. You know, James 4, um, 17 says, sin is knowing to do right or righteousness and do it not. He says, to him that know to do right and does it not, to that person it's sin. So anything that's not in line with the righteousness of God, and how do I determine and discern what's in line with the righteousness of God? We go to his word. Amen. Amen. The issue is not being sinless for our prayers to be heard. There is none sinless but Christ. We all understand that. The point is that if there's a stubborn refusal to acknowledge sin, and a lack of desire to get rid of it, yet we're still expecting God to hear our prayers, we are frustrating ourselves. We're literally in a place of what's known as spiritual insanity. Unconfessed sin always hinders our prayers. And that's all we have time for for today. We're going to get to idols in our hearts. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get to James when James says that we pray uh, and we, we pray and we ask amiss. We pray with wrong motives, right? Uh, we're going to get to husbands and understanding um, that husbands, if we don't treat our wives right biblically, that it will hinder our prayers. There's, there's so much more that we going to unpack. But we're going to take our time. Is that, that all right? Listen, um, it's important for us to know that God is speaking to the church universal. And I don't care who all you're listening to. I know some, you know, we're, we're not online yet, but we're going to be next month. Praise God. Pray for the team. You know, if God is calling you to serve, we're encouraging you to do that. But here's the thing. God is speaking to his church universal. And you're going to hear more and more people nationally that have their ears in heaven and their hearts on the throne of God start talking about this issue of prayer. You're going to hear it. It's going to be a presounding 
um, sound in the body of Christ. Because what God is getting ready to do and what he wants to do, he literally requires the church of God to be aligned with his will. Because for so long, what we've been doing is we've been doing our own stuff. We've been doing our own will. We want church on our terms. And there is a sifting that's happening even right now. In, in this church, in other churches, there is a sifting and a shaking that's going on in people's lives. And my prayer for you is that you stay connected to divine. And here's the thing, if you're connected, it means that you're communicating with him. And he's communicating with you. And your response is, Lord, I just want to be used by you. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I cannot underscore the importance of this subject in your life. Because the Christian who does not pray is the Christian that gives access daily to their lives. Gives the enemy access daily to their lives. I'm going to say that again. The Christian who does not pray is the Christian that gives the enemy access to their lives on a daily basis. Because if we're not talking to our Heavenly Father, some of the voice is talking to us. Jesus, help us. I just want you to just lift your hands with me. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to say this. Um, if you don't feel like you want to lift your hands, don't lift your hands. But if what was said today is doing something in your heart, and you feel as though, man, I've just, I've been missing it. And I really, I really need to get things right with the Father. I really need to. Maybe there's been things that you've been praying for that it didn't come to pass. And there's really some animosity in your heart towards God. Some anger towards God. And maybe you haven't looked it in the face. But it's literally has been the thing that has been causing you to withdraw yourself. To isolate yourself from the Father. I want you to see that, and I want you to give that to him if you really want God in a more intimate way. Now is not the time to be chasing after personalities or different things. Now is the time to have a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with your Heavenly Father. <laughs>